0: This week, on The Archive, on Cinematic Sound Radio. Today, on another packed show, we have four new releases and four trolled from the archives. We have music from the recent release of James Horner's controversial score to Troy. We have selections of a re-recording of the classic 1982 score to Blade Runner by Vangelis. Roy Budd returns with a suite from his score to Wild Geese 2. The action and adventure of Waterworld is refined with music by James Newton Howard. We celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Clint Eastwood classic western Unforgiven, playing selections from Lenny Nehas' score preceded by a small suite from the Outlaw Josie Wells by Joey Fielding. We then say happy 91st birthday to Lawrence Rosenthal by featuring his pilot score to the TV series of Logan's Run before finishing with music for the 35th anniversary remastered release of E.T. The Extraterrestrial by John Williams. My name is Jason Drury. Thank you very much for listening. Sit back, relax and leave folding home until later as this week's archive from Cinematic Sound Radio begins now.
1: 1996, this is Cinematic Sound.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Delve into the Cinematic Sound Radio's archive. I'm Jason Drury coming to you from Ramsgate in Kent, England. Hello to our listeners at cinematic CinematicSound.net and through iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, TuneIn... Google Play and where any other podcast provider is found. It's great to have you join us for this show. If you're listening to this programme on iTunes, please take the time to rate and review the show. It really helps get the show and the station noticed. This version of Cinematic Sound Radio is dedicated to new releases and new recordings of older schools from film and television. During each programme, I will also mine the vast film music archive with our very own cinematic sound radio shovel to unearth beloved favourites and forgotten gems. As I said earlier we have eight scores to go through including four new releases from specialist soundtrack labels and we start today's show with the first of those recent releases and it's a controversial one. Troy from 2004 was directed by Wolfgang Peterson and written by David Benioff who went on to become one of the showrunners of Game of Thrones. The film's ensemble cast includes Brad Pitt, Eric Banner, Orlando Bloom, Dan Kruger, Sean Bean, Brian Cox, and Peter O'Toole. The film is loosely based on Homer's Iliad in its narration of the entire story of the decade-long Trojan War, which the film condenses into more than a couple of weeks. The end of the film, the second of Troy, is taken from Homer's Odyssey, as the Iliad concludes with Hector's death and funeral. Now, where to start with the music for this film? Well, to hear a fuller version of the events of what happened, I'll refer you to part three of my James Horner documentary series for Cinematic Sound Radio, which discusses the events in greater detail than I have time here. Suffice to say, the original score for this movie, was by Gabriel Yarid, who created, after one year's work on the project, a score that Nicholas Roscher would have been proud of. But after one disastrous test screening, this was thrown out, and James Horner came in. Horner produced a huge two-hour score for a large orchestra and choir in just 10 days. As with all Horner scores, there are cues that are quite lengthy and elaborate really putting the orchestra through its paces. Two themes stand out in the score. The love theme of Achilles and Bricius, which eventually appears in its complete form as the end credit song, I Remember. And secondly, an ever-rising motif, mainly in the brass which heralds the appearance and heroics of Achilles, which was allegedly borrowed from the sanctus of Benjamin Britten's war requiem. In fact, music critic Alec Ross claims that large portions of the score were essentially plagiarised from works by Sostakovich and Prokofiev. Due to lack of time to complete, Horner's work has some electronic padding at points and throws in motifs which would be familiar to any Horner fan. There is a feeling that the score has a very close relationship to Horner's previous epic work, Enemy at the Gates, composed in 2001, which was also influenced by Zostakovich and Prokofiev but listening to the score in its near complete form from the new two CD set from Intrada two cues of the score were not available for licensing my personal view of the score has improved it is not Horner's greatest epic score Braveheart is that by a considerable distance but considering the constraints going into it it is truly a sensational work I do however still have a great deal of sympathy for Gabriel Yarid. Who, in my opinion, produced a similar score to this, but was thrown out for being old fashioned. Maybe it is just an excuse, and the producers just wanted a bigger film composer name other than Yarid. We can only speculate what was the actual reason. So, without further ado, here is music from the recently released expanded 2 C D edition from Intrada of the original Motion Picture Score to Troy. Music composed and conducted by James Horner. That was music from the recently released expanded two CD set of the original motion picture score to Troy. Music composed and conducted by James Horner, which is available on Entrada Records. And if you want to compare the rejected score of Gabriel Yarids to Horner's, go to YouTube and make up your own mind.
1: On the air and streaming on the web since 1996. This is Cinematic Sound.
0: Welcome back. Next up is music from a film that not many people I'm sure have heard of called Blade Runner. Made in 1982. Directed by Ridley Scott. Written by Hampton Fancher and David Peoples. And starring Harrison Ford, Walter Hauer, Sean Young and Edward James Ormus. The film is a loose adaptation of the 1968 novel to Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Set in a dystopian Los Angeles in 2019, the film depicts a future in which synthetic humans, known as replicants, are bioengineered to work on off-world colonies. When a fugitive group of replicants led by Roy Batty, played by Howard, escape back to Earth, Burnt out cop Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford reluctantly agrees to hunt them down. During his investigations, Deckard meets Rachel, played by Sean Young, an advanced replicant who causes him to question his mission, and his own humanity. Blade Runner originally underperformed in cinemas, but is now widely regarded as one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. As a result. Of controversial changes made at the request of studio executives, seven versions of the film now exist. A director's cut was released to wide acclaim in 1992 after a strong response to test screenings of a work print. And in 2007, to mark the film's 25th anniversary, a final cut of the film was released. The only version over which Ridley Scott retained full artistic control. The score of the film was composed by Greek composer Vangelis and is regarded as a historically important piece in the genre of electronic music, a dark melodic combination of classical composition and synthesizers. Vangelis's music mirrors the futuristic film noir world envisioned by Ridley Scott. Vangelis's score has been released in several different incarnations, but none of them are accurate representations of what is heard in the original 1982 film, largely because of a dispute between Vangelis and Scott over the director's use of his music in the film. A proper soundtrack of the score has never been commercially issued. Even the three-disc 25th anniversary set contains dialogue, sections of music not used in the film. On the third disc, music inspired by Blade Runner, but not the complete score of the film. However, a special release of the score in 2014 tried to rectify this with a brand new recording of the score from BSX Records, faithfully recreating the original music from the film. This would prove a difficult task as Vangelis's score was composed entirely by performing on keyboards and recording it directly, so no written transcripts exist. Composer Edgar Wothermich ended up reverse-engineering the score listening to the original music and the 1982 album mock-up and transcribing it by ear. He also had to recreate the sound of 1982 synthesizers and decipher if noise heard was due to recording on tape or stylistic choices by Vangelis and producing what is a very close replication of what the score sounded like in the film. Now in the summer of last year, 2016, Eric Woods featured this recording on one of his shows. I remember it very well because at the time listening, I was in bed recovering from a virus. But listening at the time, I marvelled at how well Mitch managed to get his re-recording almost identical to The Great Van Vangelis' score. And with the acclaimed sequel Blade Runner 2049, it stood in cinemas. And, in my opinion, a very worthy sequel to the original, but don't get me started on the music. I feel it is a good time for the archive to revisit the music of Blade Runner and in doing so, going back to the closest we have at this time to a complete recording of the score from the film. So, here is music from the motion picture score to the 1982 sci-fi classic Blade Runner. Music composed by Vangelis and produced and performed on this re-recording by Edgar Rothermitch. was music from the motion picture score to the 1982 sci-fi classic blade runner music composed by van and produced and performed on this re-recording by edgar Rothermich and available on bsx records i challenge you to compare this recording with the actual score you will have a real job telling the difference
1: you're listening to the film television and video game music radio show Cinematic Sound.
0: Welcome back to the show. Next up is the recent Cordera Records release of the score to Wild Geese 2, directed by Peter Hunt, best known for his work on the Bond series, and in particular directing Honor Majesty's Secret Service. The film was based on the 1982 novel The Square Circle by Daniel Carey, which a group of mercenaries are hired to spring Rudolf Hess from Spandau prison in Berlin. The film is a sequel to the 1978 film The Wild Geese, which was also adapted from a novel by Carey. Richard Burton starred in the first film as Colonel Alan Faulkner and was planning to apprise his role for the sequel, but he unfortunately died days before filming began. The sequel has Faulkner's brother, played by Edward Fox as one of the mercenaries. The film also starred Scott Glenn, Barbara Carrera, and as Rudolf Hess, Sir Lawrence Olivier. The film's composer, like the first Wild Geese film, was Roy Budd. This would be Budd's sixth and last collaboration with producer Ewan Lloyd, beginning with Catlow in 1971, Paper Tiger in 1975, The Sea Wolves in 1980, and Who Dares Winds in 1982, as well as the Wild Geese films. As the second film has a change of cast, Budd went for a slightly different direction with the score from the original with a jazzy urban main theme utilizing electronic elements to the huge sounding London Symphony Orchestra this new release by Caldera Records is the first time the score has been released on CD it is a short score of around 40 minutes in length but it makes up for its size with its sheer power and excitement And I'm sure, whilst listening to the suite, you will clearly recognise the influence of Jerry Goldsmith and Lalo Schifrin in Bud's music. So here is music from the original Motion Picture Score to Wild Geese 2. Music composed and conducted by Roy Bud. music from the original motion picture score to Wild Geese 2, music composed and conducted by Roy Budd, the CD of which is available on Caldera Records. And it is great to see in the year of what would have been Roy Budd's 70th birthday, the interest his superb music is finally receiving.
1: On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this
0: is Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to the show. To finish the first half of this edition of The Archive, is yet another recent new release, this time from La La Land Records. Waterworld is a 1995 post-apocalyptic science fiction film directed by Kevin Reynolds and co-written by Peter Radner and David Toohy, based on an original 1986 screenplay by Radner and starring Kevin Costner, Dennis Hopper and Jeanne Triplehorn. Long after the melting of the polar ice caps in the 21st century, the sea levels have covered every continent of the Earth. The remains of human civilization live on ransackle floating communities known as atolls, having long forgotten about living on land. Even so, people still believe that there should be a mythical dry land somewhere in the endless ocean. The mariner, played by Kevin Costner, arrives on his trimaran to trade dirt for other supplies. The Atoll's residents see that the mariner is a mutant with gills and webbed feet and decide to drown him in a brine pool. Just then the Atoll is attacked by smokers, a band of pirates seeking a girl named Enola, who according to their leader, the deacon, played by Hopper, has a map to dry land tattooed on her back. Enola's guardian Helen, played by Jean Triplehorn, attempts to escape with Enola on a gas balloon But the balloon is released too early. Helen instead rescues the mariner and insists that he takes the two of them with him. And together they search for dry land. The film's production was plagued by a series of cost overruns and production setbacks which caused the initial budget of $100 million to finally soar to an estimated $175 million at the time making it the most expensive film ever made. Kevin Reynolds receives full credit as director, but he did leave the project as star Kevin Costner was constantly plaguing him with what he described as an unwanted backseat driver mentality in nearly every single scene, to the point that Reynolds left the project and Costner himself continued it. The music for the film was composed by James Newton Howard, who had six weeks to work on the project after the initial work of the film's original composer, Mark Isham, was rejected by Kevin Cosner as being too ethnic and bleak. However, Isham's music box theme stays in the film. Howard's work is an action-packed thrill ride, featuring a source theme for Costner's Mauna character and to represent the desire to find dry land. Howard also utilised for the score part of a massive sample library gifted to him by a fellow composer Hans Zimmer creating an overworldly soundscape surrounded by a massive symphony orchestra and a huge choir. Also adding to the additional futuristic vibe to the score is Steve Piccaro, a founding member of the rock band Total who now also composes for film and television. And I must mention before we go on, the recent concert conducted by James Newton Howard at the Royal Albert Hall, London. Waterworld was not performed on the night, but it was a superb evening, which proved, if needed to, that James Newton Howard not only can conduct, but conduct really, really well. So here is music. To finish the first half of this edition of the archive of the original motion picture score to Waterworld, music composed by James Newton Howard, and available in a new limited edition 2 CD set from Lola Land Records.
1: streaming on the web since 1996, this is Cinematic Sound.
0: And to start the second half of today's archive show, that was music from the outlaw Josie Wells, the 1976 western directed and starring Clint Eastwood and written by Philip Kaufman, with music composed and conducted by the greatly missed Jerry Fielding. For many years, in my opinion, that was the finest western Clint Eastwood ever made. But in 1992, that opinion changed when Eastwood produced, directed and starred in Unforgiven. It was written by David Red Peoples who was also co-credited with the script for Blade Runner. The film portrays William Money, an aging outlaw and killer who takes on one more job years after he is turned to farming. The film will be the last western Eastwood would star in for fear of repeating himself or imitating someone else's work. Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman and Richard Harris also star in this film which would go on to win four Academy Awards including Best Director for Eastwood, Best Supporting Actor for Hackman and Best Picture. It also won a BAFTA and two Golden Globes. The score would be composed by Lenny Nihas, who for a time became Eastwood's main composer of choice soon after the passing of Fielding, from the early 80s up to the early 2000s. Nihas met Eastwood during the actor's army stint at Fort Oud, California back in the 1950s, becoming friends through their mutual love of jazz. And later Nehas would become Jerry Fielding's orchestrator, working on films such as The Enforcer and The Outlaw Jersey Wells. Eastwood needed simplicity and straightforwardness to support the film. Utilising a theme Eastwood wrote himself, Claudia's theme, Neas gave it many shadings and interpretations throughout the score, working in conjunction with the visuals, but never overwhelming them and so to celebrate the film's 25th anniversary and to make certain people like myself feel very very old here is music from the original motion picture score to Unforgiven music composed and conducted by Lenny Nehas with Claudia's theme composed by Clint Eastwood That is music from the original motion picture score to Unforgiven. Music composed and conducted by Lenny Nihas. With Claudia's theme, composed by the director and star of the film, Clint Eastwood. The CD of which was released by Verez Saraband Records. Unforgiven is a real cinematic classic. If you haven't seen it yet, please do check it out.
1: On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this
0: is Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to the Archive. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I am. For this week's Delve Into the TV votes, I decided to use the segment to celebrate the 91st birthday of one of film music's greatest melody makers, Lawrence Rosenthal. Born in 1926, Rosenthal received a classical education and began scoring documentaries for the U.S. Air Force in the Korean War. He then started composing for the Broadway Theatre in the 1950s before moving to films with works like The Miracle Work in 1962, Beckett in 1964, Rooster Cogburn in 1975, The Return of the Man Called Horse in 1976, Meteor in 1979 and Class of the Titans in 1981. Wilson Tower was also prolific in the medium of TV, in particular in the 1980s scoring historical miniseries such as George Washington in 1984, Peter the Great in 1986, and Mussolini the Untold Story in 1985. The composer also scored TV series such as Fantasy Island, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and this one, the short-lived 1977 sci-fi series, Logan's Run. This was a spin-off of the 1976 film of the same name based on the novel by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson and scored memorably by Jerry Goldsmith. So Rosenthal knew he had a tough act to follow for the TV version. The series starred Gregory Harrison as the title character, Logan Five, and Heather Menzies as Jessica Six. The series maintained the basic premise and visual style of the film, in that Logan and Jessica escape the City of Domes so that they will not have to die once they reach the age of 30. However, the series differs from the plot of the movie in various ways and depicts Logan and Jessica on the run in each episode in various locations on future Earth as they search for the mythical place known as Sanctuary. Logan and Jessica are also assisted in each episode by an android called Rem, played by Donald Moffat, who does not appear, in the film version. The series lasted only 14 episodes before it was cancelled. Rosenthal scored the series pilot, a suite of music you will shortly hear, and three of the episodes. Other scored episodes of the series were composed by Gerald Immel, Bruce Broughton, and Jeff Alexander. When I saw the pilot, said Rosenthal in an interview, I realised it wasn't exactly the same atmosphere as the movie. And somehow, I got a good feeling about it. The main theme from the show came to me while i was watching the pilot right off the bat rosenthal's music is symphonic in nature with an orchestra of 25 musicians he also employed synthesizers into the mix particularly for the main title the yamaha e5 which creates the memorable siren call in the main title and some of the musical futuristic elements in the series. As the music you are about to hear is part of the pilot score, I have left the full version of the main theme to the end of the suite as Rosenthal develops the theme throughout the pilot score. So, the archive celebrates the 91st birthday of Lawrence Rosenthal by playing music from his pilot score to the 1977 sci-fi series Logan's Run.
2: Thank you.
0: music from the pilot score of the 1977 TV series Logan's Run music and main theme composed and conducted by Lawrence Rosenthal with a CD of music from the series available from FSM Records and if you do not have any music from Lawrence Rosenthal in the collection do search him out you will not be disappointed so sadly we've now come to the end of this edition of the Archive on Cinematic Sound Radio I would like to thank W Rock Radio for putting this show on the airwaves. They are at wrockradio.com. Feel free to reach out to Cinematic Sound Radio by emailing at cinematicsound@yahoo.com, and don't forget to visit cinematicsound.net to hear an archived version of this show and many years of previous programming as well. The show is also on iTunes, and if you are listening to us through iTunes, please rate and review the show. I would also like to thank Tim Burden for providing his music on the Bumpers and Stingers you hear. David Cosina for writing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. And, of course, Eric Woods for letting me loose on his station. To end the show, I have another new release from La La Land Records. Now, you have to admit, we are releasing some great stuff at the moment. And for that reason, the archive must acknowledge this. And it is also the time that John Williams makes his debut. On this show. It had to happen sooner or later. And what a score to open his account. Music from the 35th anniversary remastered edition. Of his score to E.T. The Extraterrestrial. If for some incredible reason you do not know. E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Made in 1982. Was co-produced and directed by Steven Spielberg. And written by Melissa Matheson. And starred Henry Thomas. D. Wallace. Robert McNaughton, Drew Barrymore, and Peter Coyote. It tells the story of Elliot, a lonely boy who befriends an extraterrestrial dubbed E.T. who is stranded on Earth. Elliot and his siblings help E.T. return to his home planet while attempting to keep him hidden from their mother and the government. This film, like Blade Runner, is widely considered as one of the greatest films ever made. A similar description can be used for John Williams' Academy Award winning score. It is out there as one of the finest ever written and competes with Star Wars as the most frequently performed score performed in concert halls all over the world. As for the score itself, this is how John Williams describes it. In E.T. there is the theme for the little alien creature and for the little boy Elliot who finds and hides him. And that theme is kind of like a love theme it's not sensual in a way a love theme would be but it develops as their relationship develops william's score also gradually develops his main theme throughout the first half of the film before finally letting it rip when elliot and et's bicycle takes off into the night sky and literally flies over the moon the flying theme as it's most commonly known is one of william's finest compositions capturing the power of friendship and love and sensationally conveying the feeling of flight. The section of the score I will be playing to finish today's show will be the rescue and bike chase and the departure from the film's highly emotional climax, finishing off with the end credits. Scoring the sequence to picture proved difficult to Williams as he explains. You can imagine how many precise musical accents are needed and how each one has to be in exactly the right place. I wrote the music mathematically to configure with each of these occurrences. When the orchestra was assembled and I had the film in front of me, I made attempt after attempt to record the music to synchronize exactly with all those arithmetic parameters in the film. But I was never able to get the perfect recording that felt right, musically and emotionally. I remember Stephen coming up to the podium and saying he would take the film off the screen so we could record the music on its own, with natural phrasing, ebb and flow. When we had the musical performance we felt gave us the most lift and the most sense of exaltation, Stephen then made a few editorial adjustments to conform the film to the music. I think part of the reason the end of the film has such an operatic sense of completion and real emotional satisfaction is that it is music first and then refinement of depiction picture editing second. What this collaboration produced is one of the greatest meldings of cinematic image and music in the history of cinema. From the 1982 album notes, Steven Spielberg wrote this. John's score to the movie E.T. is unlike any of his others. It is soothing and benign. It is scary and suspenseful. And towards the climax, downright operatic. So what an end to today's show I have for you. And another chance to make you feel very, very old. This is The Rescue and Bike Chase. The departure and the end credits from the 35th anniversary remastered edition from La La Land Records of the score to E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Music composed and conducted by John Williams. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. and Until the next time I dig up more items for the Cinematic Sound Radio Archive, from me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
1: Thank you for listening to Cinematic Sound Radio. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at yahoo.com. Don't forget to check us out at Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net on the web. Cinsound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on iTunes, why don't you take a moment right now and rate the show and write a brief review. All reviews help us get noticed on iTunes. And don't forget to tell all your friends about the program as well. Share this show on your favorite social media network. We really appreciate all the support. And don't forget to check out our affiliate at WRockRadio at WRockRadio.com.